Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I am your host, Isaac Longworth, and in case you didn't know this about me already, uh, I'm studying to become a Catholic priest, studying to be a priest with a community called the Companions of the Cross. Now, the Companions of the Cross, they own some vehicles that we use to get to seminary, to get around, and uh, because they belong to the community, on the side they have these magnets that say, Companions of the Cross. Now, why am I telling you this? You might be wondering. Don't worry. It'll all make sense soon. Well, one day I was driving one of these cars and uh, a lady came up to us in the parking lot and she wanted to know who the Companions of the Cross were. And so I told her that we were a community that was all about sharing Jesus with people, that that was our mission. We wanted to share Jesus with the world. And she said that she believed in Jesus. And so we started a conversation and uh, as time went on, I realized that we were not exactly talking about the same Jesus because in the conversation, she told me that she didn't believe that Jesus was God, which of course is different from what I believe as a Catholic. As Catholics, we believe that Jesus really is God. And I said, well, why don't you believe that Jesus is God? And she said, well, he's not God. He's the son of God. And she began to explain how she didn't believe that Jesus was truly divine, but that he was this pseudo-divine being. Now, this was a very clear distinction in our beliefs. This false belief that she had that Jesus was not fully God, that he was not equal to the Father, but that he was something in between God and man. But this belief that she had, it's not something that is new, something that she invented. This is a, a falsehood, a lie that has existed for a long time. And in fact, our saint who we're going to be looking at today is one of the main saints who fought to ensure that as Catholics, we believe that Jesus truly is God. He fought against this false belief that Jesus was something in between God and man. And that saint, that man, his name is Saint Athanasius. So we're going to talk about Saint Athanasius today. He was born in the year 296 AD, probably born in Alexandria, Egypt. So he was an Egyptian. He was born in a Christian family that was wealthy enough to send him to school, but his family wasn't wealthy enough to, to be part of the Egyptian aristocracy. He wasn't part of the upper class, the ruling class, but he was uh, privileged enough to go to school, which was not always the case in the ancient world. Now, we don't know too much about Athanasius's early life. We do know that when he was still very young, he would play priest with his friends. He would pretend to baptize people. He would pretend to do things that a priest would do, showing that from very early on, he had this vocation to serve God as one of his priests. I remember back when I was little, I too would pretend to play priest. I would get my siblings to sit down, pretend to say mass for them, pretend to, to baptize and give out communion because I felt this call early on from the Lord to become a priest. And so Athanasius was similar to that. He was doing that when he was a kid too. When he got a little bit older, uh, he always had felt this call to become a priest. And so he began to pursue it. In his early 20s, he was already ordained a deacon by the Bishop of Alexandria. So a very young deacon, but even as a young deacon, he was extremely brilliant in school. Very smart guy, very intelligent, and he was recognized for this very early on by his teachers. As a young deacon, he was already setting 
to work. He was writing brilliant essays on Christianity. He was trying to convert both pagans and Jews to Jesus through his writings. Now, Athanasius, he was one of those guys that really likes to argue. I don't know if you have any friends that like to argue a lot. They're always arguing. That was Athanasius. He was very good at arguing his position. He fiercely defended the truth of Christianity from outside religions like paganism, like Judaism, but he was also defending Christianity from those who were acting inside the church, trying to lead people astray with false teachings about God, false teachings about the faith. Now, one of these false teachers who Athanasius would end up fighting a lot with was a priest named Arius. Now, Arius had been teaching a false view of Jesus, Jesus who is the word of God. Arius had some false things to say about Jesus that are connected to my earlier story about that woman who believed that Jesus was not fully God. Because Arius believed that Jesus was a creation of God rather than actually being God himself. He didn't think that Jesus had always existed, but that Jesus had had a beginning in time, that Jesus had not always been, but rather had actually started in time when God had created him. He also taught that Jesus was higher than just being a mere human, so he wasn't just on our level, but that he wasn't fully God, that he was some kind of demigod in between God and man. And so his heretical beliefs that he was teaching about Jesus were eventually named the heresy of Arianism. Now, you might be hearing this and wondering, well, why is this such a big deal? Like, why is this such a controversy? Well, because the church had always believed that Jesus was God, had always taught that Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was not some kind of in-between half-God, half-man demigod, but was fully God and fully man. And so Arius was preaching against this traditional teaching of the church. He was preaching a false Jesus, a Jesus that was not real and thus had no power to save. And so to stop Arius from preaching his lies any further, the Bishop of Alexandria removed him. He said, you're not allowed to be a priest in my diocese anymore. And so Arius left the diocese. He went to a nearby bishop who he was friends with, and that bishop allowed him to teach there. And so he gained more and more followers. More and more people started to believe in Arianism and then called themselves Arians. And when Arius had got enough followers together, he tried to force his way back into the diocese of Alexandria. Now, Athanasius was working in Alexandria as a deacon there, and he was loyal to his bishop. He clearly taught against the false views of Arius. He worked hard to make sure that Arius would not come back to Alexandria. And so as a result, Athanasius became one of Arius's chief rivals. Now, St. Athanasius, his clarity was much appreciated by the people of Alexandria. They had been confused with all of these false teachings about Jesus, but they came to see this bright and passionate deacon as a true defender of their faith. They really looked up to him. They loved him a lot. But the thing was, is that Arius's lies were becoming more and more convincing. They were spreading and many Christians, including priests and sometimes even bishops, were leaving the church, leaving Christianity to follow after Arius. They were becoming Arians. And so eventually to settle the matter, 
all the bishops of the church, they gathered in the city of Nicaea, which is in modern day Turkey, and they met there to discuss this problem. They wanted to settle this issue once and for all. Is Jesus fully God, as we have always believed, or is Arius and his teachings what is true? And so they met in Nicaea, all the bishops, many church leaders, the Pope, and debated about the nature of who Jesus was. Now, St. Athanasius, he attended this council in Nicaea, this famous council in Nicaea, and he helped with his brilliance and his logic from scripture to defend what Christians had always believed. Athanasius showed the council, Jesus truly was man. He was a hundred percent man. He really was a man, but he also was truly God. He was fully God, fully divine, that he was not created in time, that Jesus was not created, but that he, the son of God, was the creator of all things, that he had always existed. There was never a time when he did not exist and that he always would be. He was the eternally begotten son of God. That he taught that Jesus was not some kind of a demigod, but was fully divine, equal in glory to his father. He is owed all of the worship, all of the love, all of the adoration that we owe to God, because that is who he is. Jesus is God. And Athanasius taught this relentlessly, explaining his position. And so many of the other bishops at the Council of Nicaea, the majority, all agreed with him. They agreed with what the church had always taught. And so they established at the Council of Nicaea, once and for all, the truth about Jesus. And they proclaimed what is now known as the Nicene Creed, which you probably have prayed before. You might have said it at Mass. You might have at least heard it. And in this Nicene Creed, which comes from the Council of Nicaea, we as Catholics state our belief that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, that he was born of the Father before all ages, that he is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. He is the same divine substance as his Father. He is God. So the Council of Nicaea condemned Arianism. It condemned Arius. It renewed the church's long-standing belief in the true Jesus. So far, so good. Everything seemed to be going on track. Well, shortly after the council, getting back to Alexandria, the bishop became very sick and was dying. And so the church leaders in Alexandria gathered together to elect a new one. Now, when the townspeople heard that a vote was going to be happening soon, they all gathered around the church where the leaders were meeting and they began to call out, to chant out, give us Athanasius, give us Athanasius. Even though he was still a young deacon, he was so loved by the people so respected for his clear teaching about the divinity of Jesus that they wanted him to be their next bishop. And so when the leaders heard the uproar happening outside, they sent for Athanasius. They wanted him to be the next bishop. Now, Athanasius, he was a humble man. He didn't think that he was worthy. He knew that he was young. He knew that he was still untrained in many ways. He also knew that he would be even more targeted as a bishop than he was as a deacon by the Arians who hated him for competing against their view of Jesus at the Council of Nicaea. But eventually, he agreed to do what they wanted, and he became the next bishop of Alexandria. 
Now, at first, his term there was very peaceful, but trouble was soon on the horizon for this young new bishop because one of the Arian bishops who had supported Arius beforehand was friends with members of the royal family, friends of the emperor. And so he used that friendship to convince the emperor to allow Arius to come back from his place of exile. And so the emperor wanted to put Arius back into the Diocese of Alexandria, back where Athanasius was bishop. Now, when Athanasius heard that Arius was coming back from exile, that he was coming back to Alexandria to spread his lies, Athanasius refused. He said, no way, Arius is not coming back into this diocese, no matter what this bishop says, no matter what the emperor says. Now, this is a brave thing for him to do because he knew that it would be so much easier for him to just cave and let Arius come back. He could get in real trouble for taking a stance against what the emperor wanted to do. But he knew that to back down and accept this false teacher into his church, into his diocese, would put his flock at risk of believing a false identity about Jesus. And so he refused to have Arius return. And so as a result, this Arian bishop denounced Athanasius to the emperor. He lied about him, saying that Athanasius was disloyal to the emperor, that he was traitorous towards him. And at the same time that this was happening, other Arian bishops in the area tried to revoke Athanasius' ordination. They said that he was too young to be allowed to remain a bishop. They wanted to take him out any way they could, using secular authorities of the emperor and also using church authorities to try and take away his right to be a bishop. So in answer to all of these accusations from the emperor, from other bishops, Athanasius journeyed to visit the emperor to set things right. He actually almost ambushed him on when the emperor was coming back from a hunt. Athanasius was suddenly standing in the middle of the road demanding a fair trial from the emperor, demanding that he face his accusers face to face and argue why he was in the right. And so the trial took place. And during Athanasius' trial, his enemies came out of the woodwork and began to spread all of these lies about him. They accused him of being a traitor to the emperor. They accused him of secretly performing dark magic, which was unfit for any Christian to do. They lied to the emperor and said that Athanasius was going to withhold grain shipments from Alexandria that was meant to go to the capital in order to pressure the emperor to rule in their favor. Now, Athanasius, he defended himself well. Remember, he was good at arguing. He showed that all of these lies were being used by his enemies to discredit him. And Athanasius manifestly said over and over again that the real issue was that he refused to let Arius teach in his city. That was what the issue was. It wasn't all these other lies. It was the issue of not allowing Arius to come back to the city. But the emperor didn't listen. The Arian bishops had too much influence over him. They were friendly with his family. And so Athanasius was unjustly banished from the region and he went into exile for two and a half years. Now you can imagine what that must have been like for poor Athanasius. This new young bishop, passionate, zealous for the faith, removed from his diocese and sent into exile. Maybe he was second-guessing himself, wondering if taking that stance for Jesus 
was all worth it. I'm sure he was disappointed. I'm sure he was frustrated at the injustice that he suffered. I'm sure he was sad to be taken away from his people who loved him so much. This was a very difficult time for him. But when the emperor died, Athanasius's exile was lifted. He was able to return back home and the city of Alexandria rejoiced in the streets. They partied in the streets. The churches celebrated Thanksgiving masses. They were overjoyed that their bishop had come back home. But his Aryan enemies were not happy about his return. They were not celebrating in the streets. They knew that they needed to try something new to take him out again. And so they convinced the new emperor to put him on trial again, this time with a whole new list of crimes. And so while he was dealing with all of these court cases, his diocese was secretly taken over by an Arian bishop who made his move while Athanasius was distracted. And so Alexandria, with Athanasius gone, was under the control of an Arian bishop. And so Athanasius eventually had to appeal his case all the way to the top. He went to the Pope and the Pope held a council that determined that Athanasius was innocent of all of his charges. So, so far so good. It looks like Athanasius was in the clear, but unfortunately, this brave and bold Pope died soon after. And the new Pope who replaced him was a much weaker man. And this Pope, under pressure from Arian bishops, under the compulsion of the emperor, he signed this ambiguous document that made it look like he supported Arianism. So once again, Athanasius is left without any support. He's left without any allies to help him in his fight against Arianism. Many of the faithful bishops were being silent because they didn't want to get in trouble. They didn't want to put themselves out there and risk the wrath of the emperor. The Pope himself was cowardly and looking as if he himself was supporting Arianism. And Athanasius was faced with another choice. He could succumb to the pressure. He could go with the flow, just like all the other bishops, and just let Arianism flourish. Or he could remain loyal to the true Jesus, to the true identity of Jesus that he knew had been taught at the Council of Nicaea. And that's what he decided to do. And so, because he took that stance, and without the support of the Pope, without the support of his brother bishops, Athanasius was exiled again, and a band of armed thugs was sent to his house to arrest him and force him to leave. Now, during this next exile, Athanasius left Alexandria and journeyed to live with a group of Christian monks in the Egyptian desert. And while he was living with these monks, he learned from them their lifestyle by living and praying with them. He lived as if he himself was a monk. And this was a time of real purification for him, a time where he really had to learn patience. He was exiled for six years this time, living in the desert, this intense monastic lifestyle, a lot of fasting, a lot of penance, a lot of prayer and time for reflection. This was a time when Athanasius really was stripped down to nothing, and he had to learn to put his trust in God, that God would provide for him that God would be on his side even when it looked like everyone else had abandoned him. He would trust in God. That's what he learned from his time with these desert monks. And when his exile finally came to an end, a strengthened Athanasius returned once again to the city of Alexandria. 
And when he returned to the world, he was disturbed to see just how widely the heresy of Arianism had spread through the church in his absence. By this time, the majority of bishops and the majority of priests were Arians. Those who believed in the Council of Nicaea, the true teaching about Jesus being fully God, were very much in the minority. And so as a result, the people, the faithful Christians, were extremely confused about their belief in Jesus because they were hearing so much bad teaching. Bishops were fighting with other bishops, priests with other priests, dioceses against dioceses. It was a time of huge confusion in the church because of this false teaching of Arianism. The majority of people were confused about Jesus and who he really was. And so after all of his time in exile, it would have been easy for Athanasius to just slip in, go back to his diocese and fly under the radar. He had already done enough fighting. He could just sit back and let someone else take up the fight. But as you can probably guess, that's not the kind of man that Athanasius was. And so he got right to work right away, boldly writing, boldly preaching his brilliant defense of the full divinity of Jesus, boldly claiming that the Council of Nicaea was correct, that the creed that they had decided upon accurately depicted what the church had always believed about Jesus. And he used logic and he used the scriptures to unmask the lies of the Arian bishops that were preaching falsely in the churches. And for all of these troubles, because he refused to keep his mouth shut, he was exiled again. But this time his citizens in Alexandria had had enough of their bishop being exiled, and so they gathered around him in a crowd to prevent the emperor's soldiers from taking him away. They weren't going to let their bishop get taken away another time. But Athanasius again, humbly and calmly, calmed them all down. And he promised them that he would never stop fighting for the true faith, but he assured them that he would be back soon. And so all in all, this kept happening over and over again. Athanasius was exiled five different times. Every time he would get exiled for preaching strongly that Jesus was truly divine. And yet, after his exile, he would always return back home. God made a way for him to come back. At times, he had to travel from place to place in secret. He was smuggled around by his friends to keep preaching and teaching in private homes and in churches. He was in constant danger of arrest or even worse from his enemies who hated him for exposing their lies. And in the end of it all, this whole controversy was finally settled and Athanasius was vindicated in the end. And he was able to spend the last few years of his life installed as Bishop of Alexandria. And he was able to live out the last few years of his life as Bishop in peace and quiet. And yet right till the end, he continued to defend the truth of who Jesus was, that Jesus is God, that he is equal in glory and honor to the Father, that Jesus is the Son of God who shares in the divine nature, is of the same substance as the Father, that Jesus is God's Son from all eternity, that he always has been and always will be, and there was never a time when the Son did not exist. Athanasius preached that right up to the end. 
And as a result of this, Athanasius' defenses of the faith had the final say, because the church never stopped affirming what had been decided at the Council of Nicaea, despite all of the confusion, despite all of the infighting and controversy, bishop against bishop. Over time, the truth of the faith was realized. People stopped believing the heresy of Arianism, and that's why today we still say the same creed that Athanasius defended. We still say the Nicene Creed. We still believe it as a Catholic church because of brave men like Athanasius, who acknowledged that Jesus is God, who denounced the heresy of Arianism. Athanasius had stood alone for so many years, but he was right. And as a result of that, the church today believes the truth about Jesus. And so what we can learn from this brave man, this bold man, St. Athanasius, is that in times of confusion in the church, times where people, even priests and bishops are led astray, that we are called to believe what the church has always taught. And brothers and sisters, we live right now in a very confusing time. We see priests and bishops fighting with each other over theology on social media. There's camps now within the church arguing about different things, and it's tempting to be led into confusion, to not know what to believe. Things have been confusing in the past, and they are certainly confusing now. But we are called to be like St. Athanasius. We are called to believe the truth, even when it seems like we stand alone. Athanasius many times felt like he was the only one teaching clearly that Jesus was God, and yet he continued to do it because he knew that that's what the church taught. And so we too need to stay rooted to what Jesus has always taught through his church. We are not to fall for these new ideas that contradict what we as Catholics have always believed. We must stay true to the faith that has been passed down to us, just like Athanasius was. And Athanasius, he spoke out boldly in defense of the identity of Jesus. And he humbly accepted all the persecution that came his way as a result. Well, brothers and sisters, are you, am I, are we ready to do the same? Are we ready to face the persecution from those who will label us as backwards, and is overly obsessed with holding on to our beliefs. Are we willing to stay strong? To stay strong and to say, no, I am going to stick with Jesus. No matter what the modern current world is saying, no matter what the false teachers are saying about church teaching, I choose to follow what Jesus said. Are we willing to do what Athanasius did? Well, if you are, then why don't we pray for that same courage that St. Athanasius had to be given to us so that we can become saints just like he was. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Athanasius, you had a love for the true Jesus, and you had a desire to defend the faith from those who tried to twist it into something it wasn't. Help us to know how to defend our faith even when it seems like everyone is against us. Athanasius, you courageously stood up for the truth, even when all of your allies, all of your friends deserted you, because you knew that God was on your side. Help us when we feel alone, 
when we feel isolated because of our faith, to remember that God never abandons us and that we can be confident as long as we are faithful to him, just like you were. St. Athanasius, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.